Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 here from our perch in 2023. I am one of your hosts, Phil Isco. And I am your special guest host, Emily St. James, sitting in for your regular host, renowned psychotherapist, all-around crackpot, and 90s hip-hop head Sigmund Freud, who had to leave us to make his miniseries podcast, I Left My Podcast in El Segundo, My Quest for a Tribe <laughs> Called a Quest. long-winded one, Emily. <laughs> I'm going to make them worse every week. I'm going to make them oh, more great. elaborate. That's yeah. a great way to start our podcast <laughs> with, <laughs> uh, with us today yeah. is Carrie Whitmer and Emmy Potter. They're back uh, yet again to talk with us for uh, this is your first time on 1992. Both of you were you were you even born in 1992. I don't even want to. Know uh, yes, we both yes, were. Of course. Okay. Yeah. We were both well, human I mean, beings. Yeah. I fully formed. Okay. Okay. Probably my first memory of being alive is from 1992. What was your first memory? Seeing Aladdin in theaters. Sure, sure, sure. sure, sure. Mine was Beauty and the Beast in '91. So you know. So you guys but... were uh, infants, children, mere children in '92. Uh, what? At what age do you stop being a toddler? Fortunately, I know the answer to this. Yeah. Uh, generally, <laughs> generally, it's around. Somewhere in the three or four range. Three it's or like, four. That's about yeah. how old okay. we yeah. both mm-hmm. were, right? Because Emmy yeah. and I were both born in the same year. Well, well no, right? I'm, 80, I'm oh, no, 88. You're 88. You're 88. I'm 89. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I would have been turning, I would have been turning four later in the year when this particular movie came out. Sorry. Uh, you didn't see this film in 92. Uh, Definitely nor had, not. had any of us seen this film previous. This was, uh, this so, was my, yes, please. Sorry. Gary. 
Oh, sorry. So I had last year, I did like a huge um, analysis of erotic thrillers for Vulture. And I watched countless erotic thrillers, like just for like two months, I just basically had erotic thrillers on all day um, and paid attention to the good ones, kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. have paid attention to some. And this is one of them that I kind of have paid attention to. So I remembered like, some of it but also was just like truly blown away by a lot of things that happened in this film um not in a good way um I didn't remember a lot because I just realized I was like taking so many notes on like little details like a dumbbell that I wasn't really necessarily paying attention to the film's actual content um, when I watched it but um so it was kind of a rewatch but also very much watching for the first time well, you, you're bringing up something that that uh, that I wanted to bring up and something that we're going to also uh, dive into with uh, Karina Longworth when she's on because she's doing her erotic 90s miniseries, which will be starting up um, in May. So we will be doing an episode with her that will also come out in May. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, basic instinct and consenting adults with Karina. Um, but this is sort of something that I wanted to kind of unpack with you guys, which is this is the first of what will ultimately be uh, a handful of uh, erotic thrillers, if you will, or just, uh, you know, women are crazy type movies that uh, that played uh, in the 90s. Hot women are crazy. Uh, we did one uh, earlier, Emily. We did Single White Female, yep. um, which yep. uh, will be great movie. W- Great, wonderful movie. <laughs> That's I mean, yeah, kind of a good one. I mean, if if we're going to be honest, I just one say, of the one of the best. I gotta say, compared to Final Analysis, a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> oh, sure, <laughs> a low bar, but sure. I mean, it, it's the thing about single white females that at least it plays also with gender roles to a certain degree, and like mm. you know the the whole fluidity and 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 all of that, um, and also who isn't scared that that they're they're going to move in with a roommate who's a sociopath. I mean, that's a, that's a very real thing. Um, and that movie's just like relatively well-made all things considered and kind of perhaps acknowledges its camp. Um, whereas this movie and a lot of these thrillers are like painfully serious. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it. I, I don't, I want to give some credit to the people that made these films, but I don't think this is one of them. Um, but I guess my question to both of you, um, and Carrie, I know that you did that article, so it's one of the reasons that I that I want to have you on. Also, I wanted to kind of uh, compare it a little bit to End of the Affair as well. We'll talk about that in a sec, too. But um, I just feel like this whole adult genre, and I don't say adult in terms of pornographic, adult as in for adults, doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, I guess there's the occasional mm-hmm. streaming movie. Uh, a deep water, for instance, or something along those lines. But for the most part, these don't really exist anymore. I guess my question is, do you guys miss them? Do you feel as though we could be doing something interesting with the genre? Discuss. I I am pro deep water, which is sure, like sure. single white female, a masterpiece compared to final analysis. But but even watching final analysis, I was just like these, I guess I'm just generally a fan of erotic thrillers um, mm-hmm. and just like the kind of chaos of the nineties. Um, but I think we could have more of that. Um, I, just kind of miss seeing 
I hate to say it this week because apparently it's like a big thing now, but seeing sex scenes is nice. Um, the one in this film with just like the blinds kind of like in the background was in like a really weird score. It's stupid, but it's like, I kind of respect the effort. Sure. Um, I I don't know. I'd rather see really bad erotic thrillers like this um, than some, I don't know. I don't want to be too specific. I don't want to upset anyone, but like some like Chris Hemsworth movie on Netflix, you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much action and I'd rather see, I don't know, a weird movie about like women maybe pretending to have mental illness. Like it's a little interesting (laughs) if it's done well. If it's done well, like this whole concept could actually work and in a, and be it could adapt to like the 21st century. A I think bit, there's right? a, a halfway decent film in this movie. Um and I and insofar as that sort of talking about I mean this is obviously sort of a riff on on Vertigo and any number of other Hitchcocky and you know tropes and what have you. Um I think that in the hands of a better director uh, with a with a, a slightly tighter script or less convoluted script. I think there's a halfway decent movie here. But um, Emily, you look like you have some news to say. I uh, I've been thinking about because like this may just be a function of when these movies were coming out. I was like still a child. I wasn't seeing them, but I was seeing the marketing for them, and I was like, oh, sexy and mysterious. And now, if you started making a bunch of these. Now I know sex is mostly stupid. And like the, you know, you think like, I don't know if we have stars to make movies like this anymore. Like Ana de Armas mm-hmm. kind of tracks. And then who is there? You know, the stars that we have now are so anodyne and so sexless. And maybe that changes if we start making a bunch of these. Maybe we find hidden depths in Chris Hemsworth that we didn't realize were there. But it is kind of fascinating to me how like there was this whole class of star that popped up. Kim Basinger is a great example. Uh, and, and they had this whole class of star popped up at that time. And now they just kind of don't exist. We have attractive people in the movies. We just don't really think of them as sexual beings. Right. I, it, it's funny too. Cause I saw um, one of my friends tweeted something like about, um, you know, Sharon Stone and Casino is the girls is like the girl all the girlies want to be. And I was like, yeah, like actually Margot Robbie wishes she was Sharon. Like, and I like Margot Robbie. And I, I feel like Margot Robbie actually would be a person that could probably do really well in in an erotic thriller in the hands of the right director. But I agree that that like we don't have like a real like Sharon Stone, Kim Basinger kind of type of actress right now somebody that can kind of really slot into those roles really well and and then the people I think of that are still like big movie stars someone like Angelina Jolie who would absolutely do brilliantly in a in some kind of erotic thriller she's not really making a ton of movies anymore for her own uh you know personal reasons and sure. uh you know <laughs> being a humanitarian it's very it's just a very busy schedule but like (laughs) yeah i think we just we don't have it it, this kind of goes back to that conversation we are all having about like there are like no real movie stars left and the ones that are left kind of don't right 
they're like they're operating on a different level like a tom cruise is never going to make a movie like this like yeah. he has his own thing but you know maybe maybe we also don't we also don't really have anyone there's not really any actor right now to play the idiot leading male who falls for all this shit you know ben affleck, like baby he's the only ben, one so ben affleck, ben affleck is the only one and like Ben Affleck, the rest of Ben Affleck's career should just be playing the Michael Douglas, Richard Gere type in these types of movies, but Mm -hmm. he definitely won't do it now, especially now that he's with JLo. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be allowed anymore considering what (laughs) happened on the set of Deepwater. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we're going to see that, but I'm, I'm like trying to think of someone who's like attractive but could convincingly be like kind of a charmer but like also really stupid and falling for like a clear manipulation and i i just can't really think of anyone who it's like maybe glenn powell but but yeah i like that glenn Glenn powell could be an interesting choice because i think he he should be doing rom-coms he has like He's really one of the few people I can think of now that's like actually very charming. And it's like, oh my God, put this man in 50 rom-coms. He could maybe work. He could play stupid. (laughs) I think these movies really succeed best when the guy kind of reads as smart at first. And then he's revealed to be stupid. I feel like maybe we just aren't, you know, this is a name I'm pulling off the top of my head, but I think we're just not giving Michael B. Jordan the chance to seem stupid <laughs> on screen. Like, I think one one thing as we're talking about this, and this was a thing I came up with as a joke, and now my brain is like, no, this is a real pitch, is someone should make the 80 for Brady of erotic thrillers. It should be like Jane Fonda was fucking great at erotic thrillers. Let's just have her make another one. Let's just set it at a retirement community. I think this is a good pitch. It started out as a joke. It's a it. great pitch. Somebody I, can take yeah, this. I, I, yeah. Well, the, the, get I Harry guess, Hamlin in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, that this speaks to sort of maybe a slightly a, a bigger issue, too, which is, is there a craving for these types of films, right? Like, I think that there is. But the question is sort of, you know, the the dissemination and the easiness with which people can see pornography and any number of things online has diminished perhaps the desire to want to go and see films like this in the theater. Um, You know, I think that, and we're obviously going to talk about Basic Instinct, but Basic Instinct was a staggering success. I mean, that movie made almost $400 million in 1992. That's like almost a billion dollars in today's money that's well it's also a good movie phil it is a good movie (laughs) and it and it has movie stars in it and it's i mean it's got it's it's obviously there are dated components to it obviously and we'll unpack all those in the episode but i'm just talking about the sheer amount of people that went to see that film multiple times you don't get to that number without multipliers so like this is all just a long way of saying that that kind of shatters the ceiling And then there's a few years of people chasing that. This is a movie that's chasing that. A lot of movies are kind of chasing that. Um, And some of them are successful. Some of them aren't. It's diminishing returns. And it's pretty much done by the middle of the 90s. But there's kind of this moment when there's real money to be made. And then franchises come out and it all kind of changes. And you sort of shifted. you, You can see the shift throughout the decade. This is all just a long way of saying that I feel like 
would audience i mean okay 50 shades of gray might be the, the the closest thing that we can kind of point to i guess even though i don't think those movies are particularly great but i do think that that was an r-rated adult sex forward franchise mm-hmm. that made a boatload of money and i was kind of surprised that more people didn't follow in its footsteps but i i, I feel like with 50 shades it was that it was based on a book franchise that was already re- really successful that was also kind of a little bit of spin-off of Twilight, which was sure. already a super successful book and sure. film right. franchise. So I, I, I wonder if Fifty Shades of Grey was really only successful because of its like sure. origins and not because it was an adult movie that was trying to be sexy, but not really. I mean, There's... movies, and to your point, diminishing returns in terms of the second and third films which didn't do nearly as well as the first film but they still did listen those movies cost very little to make the overhead was relatively low i imagine the major cost was buying the book rights as you mentioned carrie so like i'm not what you're saying is absolutely true it's more about seeing that there was an audience that i guess basically and, and forgive this for sounding weird but people will go and sit in a theater with a bunch of strangers and watch people have sex and 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 the fact that that people didn't to some degree or another use that as an opportunity to make kind of more films within that that sort of bucket uh is a little surprising but you know yeah. i i think you mentioning, you know, um, Fifty Shades of Grey, like there have been a whole bunch of books that tried to capitalize on the success of the books and haven't done nearly as well. Yes. But mm-hmm. the major influence of those books, I think, has been to bring erotic elements into the rom-com, basically, in the publishing space. I think one of the reasons mm-hmm. we don't see these movies and they wouldn't be as successful today is because we are now so aware of power dynamics within sexual relationships, especially heterosexual relationships that like a movie like this could seem like kind of cutting edge in 1992. Cause it's like playing around. I mean, it did not seem cutting edge in 1992, <laughs> but a movie like basic, a movie like basic instinct could, yes. uh, because yeah. they're playing around in these dynamics that at the time people were really interested in parsing. And now like you can go on Twitter and people will tell you why, like, you know, Snoopy is patriarchal nonsense. And like, that's, you know, yeah, it's, like we're just so aware of it. It's, it's too much discourse. Yeah. I think that, I think that we're, I think that their ground to break here is adapting some of these wildly popular novels that are mm-hmm. rom-coms that have real, like really seamy sex in them. I think that's, I think that's the direction to go in. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that, I mean, listen, the, the rom-com is also on relatively shaky ground in terms of a genre. In We're terms doing of them both at the same time. We're saving them both yeah. in one yeah, movie. I mean, by the way, I'm, I'm into it. It's just like I just watched uh, the other night. I watched Your Place or Mine, that uh, mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon, Ashton Kutcher. <sighs> that movie is rough. Um, it is it's it is rough. I, I would not recommend. But it, it's, it does feel as though that's kind of where this is all going i'm a little bit i remember when when 50 shades was purchased to be a film franchise there was a part of me that was like why isn't this a showtime or an hbo miniseries or something along those lines because i felt as though people seem more comfortable understandably so watching stuff like this in the privacy of their own home than going to see it in a theater and it would have been i imagine enormously successful online as well i think that's part of why you're seeing the matriculation of of sexual content moving more towards home yeah yeah I, I, and it, yeah oh, I, was I was also saying, 
<laughs> you go. It was great. It was like a bit. I loved it. Uh, Emmy, you go first. Yeah. I was well, doing a bit. Yeah, I was. I'm I just... was just kind of thinking that, like, if I think about like kind of lurid sexual content, the the places I feel like I see it the most is either in an HBO show or some kind of like a twenty four horror movie something like ti west x or pearl like something something that's already kind of a different it's like in a different genre it's not its own genre anymore and i think to emily's point i have been reading so many more romance novels since like the pandemic started and one and and the ones that i've read have been incredible like the writing of these sex scenes is incredibly steamy for like the ones I've read that are more like cishet focused. And I'm like, wow, like these should, these are popular. And like, why aren't these being adapted? Because there's such like a hunger, like every, everyone I know that reads romance books, like we cannot get enough of these now. So it's like the market is there for them. I think it's just that like, no one is wanting to put the money up to, to make them like no one wants to take, take the risk on it i i don't know it's like either we slot them into horror we push it onto like hbo or showtime or you, you know one one of the the streamers sure or or it's just like not a thing like i don't you know i mean I I, what, what i was thinking about is that the one movie that could have like proven whether or not people actually want to see erotic thrillers is deep water which was supposed to have a theatrical release but because mm-hmm. of the pandemic and probably because of 20th century disney shit was just moved, pushed over to hulu and kind of had a little bit of a quiet release people it wasn't really critically well received people didn't really seem to like it except me but i just liked it because i like <laughs> erotic thrillers i think adrian lynn is amazing but it seems yeah. like people yeah. just don't really have an understanding of what the genre is and what it's supposed to be because Deepwater is a good erotic thriller. It's just like a lot of them are like, they're pretty silly. Like, that's the point. Like, it's just supposed yeah, sure. to be kind of stupid fun that might make you horny. Another thing I was thinking, which maybe I'm taking <laughs> it too far, but is, is the fact that we can easily access pornography online another reason why there isn't really as much thirst for this kind of stuff because you, if you want to get off, you don't have to go to the movie theater. You can just kind of open your laptop or your phone. Well, right. I, I think that that's all. I, I also think that, you know, on the deep water thing, I agree with everything you're saying. I do think that that movie got kind of stuck in a weird purgatory in terms of the pandemic and obviously in terms of the merger that was going on and all that. Um, but then on top of it, you also had a relationship that fell apart between Ben Affleck and, and right. Ana de Armas, which I think was, I mean, people were just super excited for the press that was like that they were going to do press. Of course they weren't going to do press, but like, I think that people were sort of, I, I think there was a certain subsection of the audience that wanted to see that film that was excited to see some drama unfold between the two of them. And I think that's also why it was kind of dumped on Hulu. Like I feel as though yeah. there was a little bit of PR protection going on in terms of everything else. Um, but I, I, you know, I watched the movie. I agree with you that Ed, uh, Adrian Lyne, I think is a, uh, a, a fascinating filmmaker who, I mean, as, as Karina uh, did in her, her, 80s erotica thing it does feel like fatal attraction is really kind of the tip of the spear in a lot of ways in terms of this whole genre um Mm -hmm. and and i think that that movie which 
is problematic in its own ways in terms of certainly in terms of <laughs> depiction of women. Um, I, I do think that that movie is kind of amazing in its own way. Like I, I do understand why it was such a kind of earth shattering or shaking kind of movie uh, just in terms of, first of all, men just being afraid of women. It feels, it feels like a lot of these movies just really kind of boil down to men are scared of women. Like really just all of it kind of bakes into that notion of like women are hot. We want to have sex with them, but they're scary and they can really do damage to your life. Be careful type thing like that feels like there's like it's right. a lot of like yeah red flags you know Bill, that's the kindest thing you've said to me this whole time we've been recording this. i mean I, you're dangerous don't get me wrong thank you i am i i was thinking like i'm thinking about two projects that have that yeah. have some overlaps recent projects and one chooses not to be an erotic thriller and another tried to sort of be and it didn't work um the first is you on netflix mm. i think there's a world in which that's an erotic thriller and it chooses yeah. not to be. And I think that's one reason that show works. I think if there was like a lot of explicit sex, it would stop working like very quickly. Um, and the other one is uh, Don't Worry Darling, which tried mm-hmm. to do tried to do much. an erotic thriller thing, but was like, men are scary and women should be frightened of them. And I was like, yes, and. And like, it, yeah. it you know, there's the, the, yeah. the problem <laughs> is sort of like the second you introduce, you, you can't really gender flip this this particular narrative but the second you are like women are dangerous and men should be scared of them you're like oh come the fuck on you know like i think we just know too much now and and don't worry darling also like it kind of ruined the erotic elements of all the Mm -hmm. scenes with the ending kind of being like oh by the way all of that was actually kind of right Mm -hmm. um so it's like i kind of the movie was not great, but I enjoyed it until it yeah, the reveal. tried to explain too much. Right. Like that could yeah. have actually been a really fun, silly erotic thriller with like, it was very lush. I love the costumes and the scenes were mm-hmm. good. Like Olivia Wilde is a strong visual director and I liked the sex scenes. But then by the end, I was like, wait, that was like really upsetting. What I just watched was kind of a lie. Yeah. And not I, hot know, anymore. That, that- that movie, I agree with you, um, with both of you guys, that it sort of feels like had that been executed better, could have also been a movie that that hit for a bunch of reasons and kind of did interesting things. Ultimately, the movie was successful, but for like all the wrong reasons, just because there was all this like, crazy drama on set. And I guess people, I mean, I went to see it, so I guess it worked to some degree. But, you know, I do think that, you know... Th- removing the male gaze from it to a certain degree, having a female director, having sort of those sex scenes be about sort of the woman's pleasure as opposed to the man's. I think that all that kind of stuff was great. Like I, I think that that's all really progressive and, and, and great. I think it's well shot. I thought that to your point, Carrie, like the sex scenes were pretty effective at what they were trying to do. And I thought they were, you know, pretty sexy, but then the reveal at the end makes them deeply upsetting. And I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think that that was what Olivia Wilde had maybe intended necessarily. Um, But again, like a very sex forward movie um, and an interesting one. I don't necessarily think that this movie is like, so final analysis isn't a sexy movie. Like I don't, no. I did not, I did not find no. it sexy. There's um, too many no. courtroom scenes for it to <laughs> yeah, be sexy. Well, yeah, when like, we were what watching is this, it, an episode of Perry Mason, like right when we were watching it, my fiance turned to me and he was like, "So this movie's 
like a few good men it's like a courtroom drama it's like a john grisham thing and it was like no it's supposed to be an erotic thriller well you know it's funny you guys bring that up because i was watching it i thought the same thing which is there's a lot of courtroom stuff and this is a lot of legal stuff in this and then i was thinking about how where did the legal drama go like on television (laughs) and movies i was like they just have disappeared um so there's that too um, because I, I kind of like illegal drama, but this is just not a good. I one. just I re- I record well, this podcast. Yeah, I record. I record this podcast with you every week, Phil, and every week it's like, where did this genre go? And it's always like, just like, why don't we have more basketball movies? And I'm like, I don't know, why don't we? That's, like, I I agree with yeah. that. I mean, I don't think that I'm wrong in the sense that you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, I know. There was a time when, you know, you had cop shows, you had lawyer shows and you had medical shows. And now there seems to be sort of this and understandably so we live in a different world where cops and lawyers have a much different vibe to them. Let's just say that. And I think that it's possible that we've moved away from them because they're they're morally muddy and what have you. All this is to say that this did feel like someone was like, let's take John Grisham and let's take Basic Instinct and let's try to bring these two things together. And of course, neither of them really work. Plus um, Hitchcock. Plus Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, very Hitchcock. I mean, I, the to talk about sort of the sexiness for a second, because I do feel like this movie is horny. But like in weird ways, like it's trying Mm -hmm. to sort of like dial that shit up, but it's just not really landing. Yeah. And it's like kind of only sexy in the first hour or so. And then Mm -hmm. like once they are like, oh, wait, like we got to get into all this legal stuff, they kind of drop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, once Eric Roberts is gone, I was like, once Eric, Eric, I was just about to say once Eric Roberts is killed. It, the movie's just not sexy anymore. You need Eric Roberts. You know, he you is, I mean, he's basically shirtless for 80% of his screen time in this <laughs> That's movie. That's how I like him in, in these <laughs> movies and this time in his life. He should have been shirtless in the dark night. You know. There would have been a choice. There's a little shirtlessness. Yeah. Right. As I said, Phil, the majority of the notes that I took on my phone uh, during this movie all boil down to some variation of Eric Roberts, hot. <laughs> I wish Eric Roberts was waiting for me in a jacuzzi in 1992. Uh, Eric Roberts makes, you know, this horrible, um, you know, swear words sound hot. You know, it's all just like Eric Roberts hot. He, there's something about him. I kind of conflate him with Mickey Rourke a little bit in my head at this time, Mm. not necessarily now, although they both, I think, have had significant amounts of plastic surgery. But I do think that, uh, they both have this kind of lascivious kind of gross hot thing going on. Like just even the way that, that Eric Roberts smokes sleazy. a cigarette. It's, yeah, it's, it's, sleazy. it's sleazy. He's like, he's, there's something about him that is, uh, that is very sort of, um, you know, dangerous and, and compelling and very watchable. Uh, I don't really understand his character and, and his character post death gets even more muddy that I'm just like, yeah this person should he have died like i don't even really know like what but all that being said the movie really has only like one sex scene with very early uh, yeah very very early yeah like 15 20 minutes into this film it has one sex scene between richard gear and kim basinger two very sort of 
patron saints of sexy movies, right? Like I feel as though, you know, you're American gigolo, you're nine and a half weeks. Like I'm sure that this, I mean, this movie did well guys. Like I hate to tell you, but like, I do think that both of these people, the, the, the sort of the potential of seeing these two hot people have sex, I guess was, was enough to get people to go to the theater, but it's not a particularly hot scene between them. It's not. And it's like, it's like I I think I texted you, Phil. I was like mm. watching this movie. It's like the least hot I've ever seen Richard Gere be on screen in a way, which is very weird because he is like a perpetually hot person. He's been hot his entire life. And like the the sex scene on the piano in Pretty Woman has like yeah. more erratic energy. It's like much sexier to watch than him like eating out Kim Basinger. I was like, I'm bored with this. I'm bored. He's I'm bored. Like he's sexier. What's that one he was nominated for an Oscar for not too long ago? Chicago? Maybe. No, no arbitra- ar- arbitrage. 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 He's oh, hot. Yeah. That movie is horny, hornier. It is. You're right. I actually like that movie. I've, I've never um, yeah. seen arbitrage. It's good. Um, I'm going to yeah, give a little bit good. of a, a little context for people that haven't seen Final Analysis, which I imagine <laughs> is a lot of people since 1992. Uh, Isaac Barr, played by Richard Gere, is a psychologist treating Diana Baylor, played by Uma Thurman. But he, but when he talks with her sister, played by Heather, played by Kim Basinger, about their troubled childhood, he finds his attention shifting away from his patient. Heather comes to comes on to him, leading to a secret affair that is complicated by Heather's pathological, jealous, gangster her husband jimmy played by eric roberts but the complications don't end there as heather may or may not need serious psychological help herself final analysis opened on february 7th right in time for valentine's day 1992 again again i watched this on valentine's day come to think of it that's nice what a special thing it opened against (laughs) medicine man the hand that rocks the cradle another erotic thriller uh shining through also kind of sort of an erotic thriller mm-hmm. uh, and the mighty ducks. Uh, it would go on to make $75 million on a $32 million budget. It's got 56% on rotten tomatoes from critics, 36 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars said final analysis is a dedicated example of one of my favorite genres, the overwrought psychological thriller. It's a kind of movie where if it doesn't end in a fight to the death high up on a lighthouse lashing with lightning, it should. This one does with the hero hanging by his fingernails high above the cruel rocks below. Hitchcock would have liked this screenplay, which involved at least two love triangles, maybe three among a handsome psychiatrist, two sexy but neurotic sisters and a sadistic husband. What Hitchcock probably would not have enjoyed, alas, is the complexity of this story. This is one of the most labyrinthian thrillers I've ever seen with so many twists and turns in the plot and so many double reverses involving the two sisters. I wish I could see it again and take lots of notes. Final analysis is the kind of movie that is a lot of fun to look at more than to think about. Maybe that's the point. I think you were being very kind to this movie. I I mean... I I wonder... He was also horny. Like, maybe one of the horniest So I I was thinking... I was thinking um, maybe Ebert was seduced by the power of Richard Gere's hair, which is good hair. Really, really looking really good in this. It does. Um, better also, hair than, like, than, uh, than Kim and Uma, whose hair is very 92. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Uma's, is, Uma's is a little bit, ages a little better than Kim's. Sure. Um, sure. But. Also, I wonder if it just was like a time when the genre was so prominent that Mm -hmm. you're just kind of, it was so popular that you're just more likely to enjoy even a bad one. Yep. 
I so I want to unpack Richard Gere for a quick second here because I do think that like in 1990 he has a movie called Eternal Internal Affairs, which is actually a really good film where he plays like a dirty cop and he's like actually really good at playing a villain and I kind of wish he did it more often, but he's good in that and then he has Pretty Woman obviously in 1990 as well, which is an enormous success. This is 92. Um, then he's got Summers B in 93, Intersection in 94, First Night in 95, Primal Fear in 96, uh, Runaway Bride in 99. Like he's kind of in this weird space in the 90s where he's kind of trying to capitalize on the sexiness that existed uh, in his earlier films like American Gigolo and uh, Days of Heaven and Officer and a Gentleman and what have you. Um, but it kind of gets away from him. And 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 this movie feels like the beginning of him maybe not really understanding what people want from him. Um, he's, as you mentioned, Emmy, in your text to me, he's an EP on this movie. So like he produced this movie, which... Which is a choice. I, I, I mean, I, I think that he thought that this was going to be, you know, again, sort of like a sexy Hitchcockian thriller with Kim. I mean, again, on paper, I don't have a problem with this movie. It's really in the execution, which brings us to the director who really kind of had not really done much. He did a, did a movie called State of Grace uh, a few years previous, but like he, he really just didn't go on to do very much. And I kind of feel like... He's a, he's sort of a music video director. He did some music videos. He did Rattle and Hum. Like he's there's a there's a nice visual flair to this movie, but he's just not good at directing actors. Like it's all no. really, really dull, mm-hmm. um, which is a bummer. Um, mm-hmm. Emily, we have covered the other Kim Basinger film from 1992, everyone's favorite, Cool World, about horny doodles. Aren't, aren't we doing these two weeks in a row? Like, aren't we just like? Is this just yeah, like are, Kim Basinger corner? Kim Basinger. Yeah, it is Kim a bit Basinger of a Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger March yeah. is, is what we're sort of. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we just covered Cool World. Um, no, is that the one with the animation? Yup. <laughs> oh my god! I that movie gave me nightmares for like two weeks. I, sorry. Um, no, no, please. What are your thoughts on Cool World, Carrie? Um. I, it, it gave me nightmares. You could have nightmares seen Carrie's eyes just bulged out of her, like a cartoon. Um, it was amazing. The, Brad Pitt's in it, right? Like, he is. Early. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne. There's like, isn't there a scene where Gabriel Byrne like fucks an animated woman? Yep. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, I think, yeah. I think what you, the really term you're looking for is doodle, and he is a, a noid. Um, so, yes. Uh, wow. Humanoid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kim Basinger better in this movie, Emily? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I think no. she's better in Cool World. Because she's better she's in Cool World. Alluring. She's better in Cool World. She's trying. She wears that one dress that I liked. I thought that outfit was cute. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. Uh, I think she's. I think she's better in Cool World. And all around a worse movie in every way. And yet, Kim Basinger better in that. I agree because, mm-hmm. like you said, it felt like there's just like the direction of the actors. Like yeah. all these like really hot alluring mm-hmm. people are yep. so stale in this movie yeah i don't even want to look at them like i was like i just was instinctively kind of like checking my phone throughout yep. this movie yep. even when even during the sex scene you should not be doing that to actors like who look like that it's, who are that talented when you have at this moment in 92 four of the hottest sex like these people just scream sex right richard gear kim basinger eric roberts uma thurman and you've made them all dull yeah something's wrong something's up. I, I, I 
read on on AFI just before this that Joel Schumacher had been considered to direct it at one point and I was like oh my god what a better movie movie. that would have been because like Joel Schumacher also being a gay man would have like Mm. understood the camp element and added that in and it would have also just been like I mean, to be clear, I Even had a good time watching this Eric movie. Roberts. Yeah, yes, more shirtless yeah. Eric Roberts, but yeah. I think it would have been more more fun to watch. Like, this is fun to watch and that it's like a big a fucking movie. mess. But yeah. yeah, it's... it's. Yeah, I do. I agree with you that, I mean, Schumacher is about, or I think in 92 or 91, he does The Client and then he does A Time to Kill. So like, he's right in that pocket of like, of, of Grisham and all of that. Um, but I still feel like, it just it would have been more it just would have been more fun right like mm-hmm. it would have been more stylish not that this movie isn't yes. stylish necessarily but like it, it it just would have been a far more interesting movie it should be noted uh that uh kim basinger was nominated for an mtv movie award for this performance of course as Absolutely. most desirable female um sure. should she got she i desire her earrings yeah. more than her she should have been nominated for cool world like this is like when Alicia Vikander won the Oscar for Danish Girl, and we all know it's really we for X Machina. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's, a, it's <laughs> yes, it's very on par with that. I I do think it's interesting that Kim Basinger loses to Linda Hamilton for T two. Yeah. I don't know that Sarah Connor is the most desirable female. I love Sarah Connor. I love that performance. Phil. Desirable. I desire Phil. her like arms. Sure. Yeah. She's got guns. Same. She's she. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird. I listen. I'm I'm all for Linda Hamilton winning every but, award known to man for T two. I just was sort of surprised that that. No, but, but here's the thing. She, yeah, she's very desirable in T two, but yeah. Kim Basinger is so undesirable oh God, in yeah. this film that Sarah Connor was a shoe in to win. Oh, I thoroughly agree with you. I actually now I want to see what the other what the other. I just I just want to I just want to interject and say that as a woman married to a woman, Linda Hamilton is fucking desirable in T two, and I I am the arbiter. I am the arbiter that I spoke uh, ill of it. I I I don't can't find these words. Doesn't matter. Um, sure. I'm I'm not. I don't say that. I'm not saying she's not desire. I don't know. It's just it's an action movie, not a sexy movie. Exactly. It's like a weird correlation. It's like you're comparing two things that don't. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. She was she was nominated. She lost. Uh, I'll I'll say uh, I do. There's a couple kind of things I want to talk about in terms of the really just the production of this movie to a certain degree. This movie shot by Jordan Crow and West who shot Blade Runner of all things. So like this guy is a great cinematographer. His son went on to shoot, has gone on to shoot a bunch of Fincher's films. Um, Like this movie looks good. I just think it's too long. First and foremost, I feel as though because of how convoluted the script is, they're so shackled to the plot that they're afraid to remove any of the pieces of this to sort of create a scenario where this movie could get closer to 90 minutes. Yes, Emily? I'm so sorry to go back to this, but I looked up the most desirable female category. (laughs) These nominees are great. And I want to preface this by saying I'm retracting my anger of earlier because Kim Basinger was nominated for Cool World the next year. I forgot the MTV Movie Award. I forgot they have the weird calendar. She lost that year to Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. Totally makes sense. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Okay, so you, Linda Hamilton's your winner. Here are your yeah. other nominees. Great. Christina Applegate for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. <laughs> Kim Basinger for Final Analysis. Tia Carrere for uh, Wayne's World. 
and Julia mm-hmm. Roberts for Dying Young. Uh, not a movie I think of as sexy, <laughs> but you know what? None of those, really? I... Well, I mean, Tia Carrere in, in yeah. Wayne's World is, she is the desired object. Yeah, Tia Carrere is like the 12-year-old boy ideal yes, of yes. desirable, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. guess this is the MTV Movie Awards. Correct. So, yeah. What was, sorry, so yeah, the Christina Applegate is interesting. That is not, I don't know. Sure. This was that this feels was like a Kelly first, Bundy thing. This was the first year for the category. I'm sure they were still working oh. out like what was <laughs> what the qualifiers were. Yeah. Can you tell me what the next year was? What the other nominees were? I mean, year? Sharon Stone wins. Kim Basinger nominated for Cool World. Sure. Halle Berry for Boomerang. Madonna for Body of Evidence, and Michelle Pfeiffer for Batman Returns. Like that is an all around better Michelle category. Pfeiffer the Madonna that. nomination is generous. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I mean, like Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, I feel this is like a thing where you're like, okay, so how did A Beautiful Mind win Best Picture in 2001? You kind of had to be there. You kind (laughs) of had to be there to see. Now we know Michelle Pfeiffer should have won. That's 2020. That's really something I don't think about. That's fair. Um, So I I, want to unpack for a quick second Uma Thurman, because I do think that Uma, this is sort of early in her very early in her career mm-hmm. she is still married to gary oldman um so that oh that, what that thing. yeah 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 they were married how long were, they, was it very brief for, yeah yeah i think it, i don't know how long it was but yeah, maybe like only two years or something i but think a, i think a problem with this movie is that she throws off the curve she's so like ethereally beautiful and not beautiful and like she's beautiful she's obviously a very sexy woman but she's sure. beautiful in a way that kind of destroys the eroticism of the movie and i can't even mm-hmm. entirely explain why because she's like not part of the main sex storyline but she definitely no. there's just like the way that you know is that how you pronounce his last you know, name you know like the way that he shoots her is so different from everybody else it's just kind of i don't know it, it feels like she exists in a different movie and it just it yeah especially in the last scene when Great. she's like channeling yeah. poison ivy yeah <laughs> it's very weird because i actually i found her very compelling in this movie like sure. she just she has like a, a certain like quality to her in this movie that is very like it's very alluring it really like draws you in um as i did take screenshots i was like i don't know what this dialogue is about oh, her her gun being a penis the gu- and the, the bullets are gun? semen yeah it, yeah it was yeah. i was like i get the metaphor <laughs> and also this this poor woman you know i was struck by how much her daughter who <laughs> is like her age in oh, that God, movie yeah. like they are identical it's twins crazy. Yeah. it's like crazy but she is very compelling, but it does feel like she's in a very different movie that I kind of would have liked to have watched instead. Um, yeah, I mean, if the, I think to your, to your point, Emily, if the casting had been more in the lane of Uma Thurman, I think the whole movie might have been just slightly more interesting. But she feels like something otherworldly in a mm-hmm. sort of grounded noir, if that makes I- sense. I have to say that scene that you're talking about, Emmy, uh, I have, I, this is, this is going to sound like a bummer, but I promise it's not. I have a lot of like terrible trauma from when I was a child. So when I watch a movie like this, I go and spoil myself on all of it to be like, sure, I'm not going to get super triggered. Like my wife and I watched Little Children the other night and I had to like, you know, leave the room a couple times. Great movie, but I had to like leave the room. Sure. This movie, I'm like prepped for that. And then I see that scene where Uma Thurman's talking about her gun as a penis. And I'm like, I'm going to be fine. This movie is so fucking, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. 
None of it matters. It's just going to wash over me. For sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, like, first of all, I didn't. I mean, I don't believe that Kim Basinger and Uma Thurman are sisters. They don't. They don't seem like they're from the no, same. You know, yeah. obviously from the same gene pool. So, like, they don't look similar and they don't radiate similar energies. So that kind of creates this this dissonance. And then you're just the movie starts so fucking clunky in terms of you have that the, the penis gun scene, which is basically like Uma talking about. Uh, her, uh, I don't even really. She's talking about her flower dreams. She's talking about all this sort of like nonsense. None of it really amounts to anything. It all feels like pseudo intellectual, pseudo you know psychological, what have you. Richard Gere immediately seems like a bad therapist, therapist. psychiatrist, like just bad at his job. He immediately seems like he doesn't really understand the human mind in any real way. Um, He's. Please. Sorry, I was gonna say, like, he's such a bad therapist that I wonder, is this movie anti-therapy? Oh, sure. Or I was waiting to find out he's not actually a therapist. Like, I was like, is the shoe gonna drop? And he's actually like, you know, some sort of criminal mastermind or whatever. Because he's such a dope. He's so unprofessional. He's fucking his patient's sister. Sister. in, In like within 15 minutes. And knows that her ex-husband's a gangster. Like, he's just an idiot. Like, what is he doing? Anyway. Nancy just kind of talks to his patients about their dreams. Like, is that what we thought therapy was in 1992? Probably. I mean, probably. There's so many movies in this era that are just like, therapy is bad and therapy is used to let bad people get away with their actions. And so I'm like... Mm -hmm. That's not always wrong, but in these movies, it's sort of placed on the therapist as opposed to the patient who sometimes, you know, the, the, I think one of the better examples of that is Tony Soprano, where like he just uses therapy to become a better sociopath. And eventually Dr. Melfi realizes that and cuts him off. Spoilers for the Sopranos, I guess. But like <laughs> there, there is this like element in these movies that are, are sort of like, well, the therapist should fix her. And instead he's just making her worse. And it's, I don't know. There are there good therapists in movies at this time? I don't think there are. Yeah, I don't know. And then he's like talking to his, you know, cop best friend, played by <laughs> Paul Guilfoyle, who, you know, I was like, oh, it's the guy from CSI. That's what I knew him from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy is like also a sleaze because he's like talking about trying to like you know fuck every fuck, fuck his everything. friend's patient. Everyone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is not also not aged. Well, oh, it's all aged poorly no. because everyone is looking at Kim Basinger in this movie as as a thing to fuck. Like that's all they're doing. Right. Even like even the, the the security guard at the courthouse. Like everyone yeah. is just like just wants to have sex with her. They got Weirdly, those hungry eyes. But like, but Uma, by the way, no one pays attention to. I'm just like it's Uma Thurman, this beautiful thing, I... and no one's paying any attention. Right. It's crazy. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. So, You've got a six three woman. She stands six three, flat footed, or I think six three, and like you don't, you yeah. that's you're not running towards towards that. that. Like let let her be tall, let her be like beautiful. She's well, she's literally yeah. plays Venus in Baron Munchausen in eighty eight, which is I think when people noticed her to a certain degree in eighty eight. She's also in Dangerous Liaison. Um, she's in Henry in June. Like she's in a lot of sort of like sex forward type things because she's 
beautiful. And I guess people were like, well, she's willing to take her clothes off in front of a camera. So that's a good thing. Um, she she's in this. She's in Jennifer eight in 92. She's in Mad Dog and Glory in 93. And then obviously she's in Pulp Fiction in 94. And that kind of changes the trajectory of her entire career. Um I've always been a fan of Uma Thurman. I think she's a really talented actor. I think she's a really interesting presence on film um, that is just really not weaponized here at all. No. <laughs> they almost make her character like a girl next story yes. in a way. When I think Uma Thurman's strength is that she just has this like really unique, almost indescribable edge to her. Absolutely. Um, yeah, And it's just, but that's like what we were talking about earlier. That's why it feels like a different movie because she's just kind of, like there's just this really, I don't know, the, the energy that she's being directed to perform is not for her at all. And it just feels yeah, right. really awkward. And it takes so long to get to like, like the buildup to the, to the actual turn of the movie where I literally wrote in my notes, Oh, so Kim Basinger is Amy Elliott Dunn of Gone Girl. Like, it, <laughs> you yeah. know, like there's yes. like a, but except that that movie is like 9,000 times better. Times better. <laughs> uh, but like, it takes so long to get to that really more interesting half of the movie where like also nine, too many things are going on. Right. But, but more interesting things than anything happening in the first half. And I'm like, see that second half where then you're seeing like more of that sister relationship and how they're like playing all these dudes. Like that's the movie that I would have rather seen the whole time. And it's like a better use of Uma's, talents i think as kind of being like a little bit manipulative and like it it lets her play more of an edge which is more interesting than well the movie you're pitching first of all i would much rather see but it it, the movie you're pitching richard Gere's character becomes more of a supporting player in their puppet mastering which i'm all for because i think ultimately so much better because he's a bad hero he's a bad protagonist you're not invested in this guy because he seems like a fucking idiot. He seems like he's just led by his dick. He truly is willing to like basically burn everything down because she's hot. I mean, it's it, it is he's telling his other doctor friend about fucking it, the, his patient's sister. It just makes no sense to me. The U.S. medical system is fucked up, Phil. It is okay. Cool. A mind- <laughs> it's a Listen. minefield. Listen, uh, Uma wanted to go with someone else, but Richard was the only person she had in network. So she kind of just was stuck with him. And, you know, you know, like he's kind of not it's not charging that much. He's not that great. Yeah. Been there. Um, Her her fucking flower dreams are tedious as fuck, too. Sorry, please go ahead. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of tedious expositional dialogue Mm -hmm. in this movie Mm -hmm. that makes it even more drab um i forget what i was gonna say about um richard here but oh here's what i was gonna say his character is like a bad hero like you said because there's nothing to really he has like really no redeeming qualities at all i do also think that it's worth unpacking pathological oh, intoxication God. so clearly which i did google clearly, during the movie which i did, I did google too, too and is unfortunately 
a, a thing, uh, sort of. Um, it's it's not obviously the way it is in this movie, where like you take a sip of wine and you turn into a fucking serial killer. Or, or as I wrote down in my notes, I said she is she is shaking more than an anti vaxxer who claimed to take the Pfizer vaccine. Like yes. she was like she <laughs> took and she she basically gulps like half a glass of wine and turns into a murderer. But Carrie, you look like you had something to say or no? Oh, I was just thinking about how the wine that she was sipping was clearly just like grape juice. It, it was like yes. completely transparent yes. in the glass. It was, like um, it, it, it was yeah. ridiculous. It was but, it was a powdered beverage for but sure. But it is it is a, a neurological disorder. There are people that, when ingesting right. certain types of alcohol, mm-hmm. can trigger them psychologically i I mean i I, i'm being generous here because this movie essentially these screenwriters someone was like discovered this term and it feels like built a movie around it um Mm -hmm. even though it doesn't really work the way that they wanted to um it is what it is but uh they essentially use it as kind of the the linchpin of why or how kim basinger's character murders eric roberts with a dumbbell a dumbbell and then he drowns in a jacuzzi which i think is the most 80s or 90s way you could possibly die so many people die in jacuzzis in the 80s and 90s it's crazy you know they do it's like i i think it's i guess it's cinematic i really don't know (laughs) it's for yuppies death death for yuppies and i guess maybe was it like kind of a, a big jacuzzi such as the one eric roberts dies in is kind of like a status symbol to show like yes, this dude's yes. rich. Look how big his fucking jacuzzi is. Yes. Um, in his like carpeted bathroom. But oh. um, now I completely <laughs> lost my train of thought because I was thinking about the jacuzzis. Um, but something I was think I thought about yes. throughout this throughout the entire film after she kills Eric Roberts is, couldn't she just you could just end the movie by her being like he was about to Great assault me. me. Yeah. And I was defending myself. Yep. But in, in like she just never tells anyone about that. Well, which that, is that, really sad in yes. like retrospect, kind of thinking like, oh, like this isn't a, even a thing this woman is considering. And also at the time, probably not something women were really comfortable coming forward with. Hence, we unfortunately get the rest of the movie. Well, I you're you're tapping into something as well that I think this movie kind of uh sort of put you know throws under the rug a little bit but that ultimately this film is about these two sisters that were potentially abused by their father mm-hmm. um and right. and them getting revenge on on the father burning the house down who who it was i mean we're led to believe that it was ultimately kim basinger even though we're told earlier in the film that it's diana the uma thurman character um Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It doesn't feel like this film really wants to grapple with that notion of, of abuse and trauma and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, the film doesn't really want to do that because the film doesn't really want to do much of anything. But... But I do think that this, there is a little bit of a notion of men can be abusive to women, but it doesn't really want to kind of unpack that idea. Uh, It's just looking for some sort of a reason as to why she's quote unquote crazy. The whole erotic, the whole erotic thriller genre, but this, this movie in particular is like just projection on the part of like, uh, because, you know, deep, deep in our societal heart of hearts, we know the fucking dangers of the patriarchy. And the erotic thriller is like, but what if women were the problem? And like, that's fine. Like, I, I think that's part of what it, it the basis is. But then you get into a movie like this that doesn't really understand what it's doing subconsciously. And it just, it feels so much more ridiculous because you're like, these, this doesn't feel like any sort of reality that's ever existed. Especially... Yeah once this movie gets into the third act and i'm gonna right. i'm gonna I, i'm gonna admit that once this film careens completely off the rails into just complete bug nuts whatever i kind of got on board with it the yeah, problem ultimately <laughs> is that the first two thirds of this film are fucking boring right oh, and convoluted yeah. and you're just sort of like whatever but then once the film essentially throws everything out the window tone logic plot all that sort of shit I kind of was like, well, why wasn't the movie this fucking bonkers the whole time? It would have just been more entertaining. So much more f- fun. Yeah. Um, especially, I think even if you just got rid of the Hitchcock element, which it doesn't do particularly well anyway, like it's not, this is not like Scorsese's remake of Cape Fear, which yeah, yeah. like looks perfect. It sounds perfect. It is like, you know, that a great movie, and upsetting Gen- and, genuinely yeah, yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It also doesn't quite have the fun and suspense of like what lies beneath, which, you know, sure. was much later on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think like this movie would have been better if they had just thrown that out and like gone for the gone more for the camp gone for like yeah. the bonkers. Like, let's just like defy the rules of logic. And like, it, like it's so much more fun to just go on this, like, crazy trip down you know what down also, the rabbit also feels yeah like the, much you better know, you, you brought up the joel schumacher thing i think joel schumacher also would have let the performances be bigger like i think part right, of the yeah. problem is that you feel as though either a the director is sitting on the actors and saying mm-hmm. we're gonna dial it up incrementally so by the third act everything's gonna be crazy but in the process you've lost your audience for the first two thirds or he just doesn't know how to direct them i imagine either is possible but I feel like Schumacher would have had everyone at 11 for the entire movie. So like it just, you know what I mean? Like everyone would have been, even Eric Roberts, who seems relatively big in performance is pretty muted, right? Like you feel like everything could have just been been bigger and just more entertaining. The the scene where he like shows her the gray hair could have been so much more campy than it was. Totally. (laughs) But it's just, it, the film just takes itself way too seriously inside yeah. a genre that only works when it's not taking itself seriously really at yes. all. 
Like, Absolutely. and it's, I kept thinking about, I think structurally, it's almost kind of trying to mimic body heat in a way. Yes. Um, okay. And body heat is probably, I guess, my personal opinion, my fa- the best erotic thriller. Um, it's really good. And it's a very good movie. It's campy, but not in a way that's really obvious, like Fatal Attraction. Um, and I just feel like this movie was almost trying too hard to follow the same beats and be as, like, I guess, kind of serious without understanding that part of the reason Body Heat works and is so good is because it is a little bit campy, because it has to sure. be. It was just trying to, like, follow, like, I think a similar structure of reveals and twists and turns and kind of having a little bit of a legal drama and like similar side characters, but it's just like not doing it nearly as well. It just kind of, I just kept thinking, it just feels like they like broke down that screenplay and then we're like, let's like kind of create a similar but different situation. So it all just felt like, oh, like let's have him be a therapist and then these people are his patients and that's how we're going to like start the story. And you, it just it just all felt like they were throwing like darts at a wall. No, totally. And just kind totally. of seeing, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, it just it's checking boxes rather than actually like doing exactly anything meaningful. Right. When, when this movie ended, HBO max asked, said the next thing I could watch was body heat. And it was like a parent sitting down across from their child and being like, you just ate a whole bunch of cake. And now I know you feel bad. Would you like to have, would you like to have a like little salad? It was just like, <laughs> it, it just was, it felt like HBO max was taking pity on me. So it was like, here's an obviously better movie. It's, so yeah. also, for me, it was, it was body heat. And then after the second one, it recommended was little children. Oh yeah. And then just, yeah. Which I was like, what? <laughs> Do you like movies with themes of child sexual abuse? Here's little children. And then after, and then next to little children, it was disclosure. I'm like, why wouldn't that be? Disclosure first? is the definite follow up to this movie for sure. For yeah. Sure. If you're the HBO you know, Max yeah. algorithm yeah. doesn't know what you want, but it knows you want something, and it's just throwing <laughs> yes. stuff at you. Absolutely. <laughs> Disclosures, that movie is fucking crazy. That movie, I mean, that's a crazy I'd movie. be happy to talk about it oh, one we're, day. I mean, someday we will talk Disclosure. But I, I <laughs> the one thing I'll agree with about this movie, uh, lighthouses are cool, guys. I mean, I kind of like mm-hmm. lighthouses. Um, and and I do, it's it's well shot. I like the whole sequences that happen at the lighthouse. Um, again, very, very Hitchcocky and what have you. Um it looked expensive. This movie was relatively expensive to make, all things considered. I thought they did a good job with the lighthouse stuff. Um, there, there's a line that I love where, so after Kim Basinger is arrested, then there's a brief trial where she is released on temporary insanity and put into sort of a, a, a mental hospital, if you will. <laughs> And she asks Isaac how long she'll have to stay there. And he says, you might have to be in here for six to eight weeks. To which she says, that's two months. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, what are, this is what like, are we doing? <laughs> the weird, like, they just have, it has, like, so, there's so many examples in this movie of just completely unnecessary dialogue that I'm just like, what is what is this bringing to the table? There's also earlier in the scene, earlier in the movie before they have sex, yeah. she, he like brings her to her house and he's like, do you want coffee? Oh, I don't have coffee. 
<laughs> but do you want like a drink? I'm like, what? Like you want a drink? And I'm like, what kind of man would not have coffee? But I mean, I guess that makes sense. But then it was just like, oh, this is how we introduce that she doesn't drink and she has a problem. But it's just, it just felt like such a, it was such an annoying way to deliver that information. Like deliver it visually, not in like some stupid dialogue exchange about coffee. There's also, you know, you bring up there, I guess the sort of the, the courting or whatever the fuck you want to call it between the two of them, where like she goes to his place, they have this like sexual tension and then they leave to go get dinner or coffee or something and then come back to his place. I'm just like, what are we ping ponging around? Like why it's, this is such, and I I don't, but this is such screenwriting one oh one stuff of just like, don't have your characters say stupid things. Don't go to locations that make no sense for no, (laughs) it's just, it's all just really crazy shit. That makes me wonder whether or not, like, this movie had, like, production problems. Like, if there was something going on. Who in the screenwriting process was like, we need a murder weapon, we need a murder weapon. And then somebody said, a dumbbell. And they're like, yes, you you nailed it. We did it. Perfect. Yeah. A a, a heavy object that we can have She's going to put in her purse. That she can put in her purse (laughs) that we can have people running around with in a paper bag for about like a half hour. Like it's I don't believe that the men who wrote this movie have ever met a woman or used a bag. I just really don't think either or lifted a dumbbell, honestly. There could have been a I I feel like at this point in this genre, everyone's trying to have their ice pick, their snow globe, their yeah. Like they're going through the Monopoly the murder items. Yes. yes, they're, try- they're trying pipe. to come up with a, a very unique murder weapon. A dumbbell feels like the first draft guess. It's oh, like, yes. that's fine if that's in your first draft as a dumbbell, but you you got to modify it in the second, third draft. I... Like it, 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 it all feels very first draft movie. Oh my God. The, the entire chase sequence with the dumbbell where oh where pepe or no, pepe or pepe, pepe depending on how you pepe. pronounce it uh where he snatches it from her with uh the the trolley cars because she just happens to have like it dangling off of whatever so there's all this like back and forth then she shoots pepe but pepe survives and then he tells her tells richard gear that they're going to the marina like it's just this very elaborate sequence that ends with richard gear running onto the marina and snatching the dumbbell so that he's touched it so that his fingerprints that were on right. it previously won't incriminate him and so that keith like, david who is not uh, in the movie enough is like he and can't, also like, a terrible cop a terrible cop a horrible cop and and my as we were watching this my fiance the most progressive in, thing about the movie yeah, correct. my fiance who lived in san francisco for a while he was like like people in the city don't actually use the trolley cars like people people yeah, don't use those thing. yeah yeah he was like it's a tourist thing and i was like yeah this feels like something that you would choose like how in princess diaries mia has to like back into the trolley car because it's san francisco and we gotta have that on the big hill right i was like this is like such a choice of totally this movie was it's in san fran was supposed to be in new york and then i guess for budgetary reasons it moved to san francisco it it took me a while to realize what the setting was (laughs) 
The Golden Gate Bridge is in this quite a bit, Carrie, for what that's worth. I, no, th- I mean, I, I guess that shows how, like, boring the movie was. Like, yes, I was yes. kind of like, what, yeah, you know, like, as it, when we're watching at home, it's like, you kind of have a phone out. No, um, yeah. And stuff. So I was just like, what? Like, I, I but I, but then I saw one of the many shots of the Golden Gate Bridge and I was fine. But, like, kind of early yeah. in the movie, like, I think, like, during the credits, I was just kind of like... Yeah, it what? feels like any city. It does. It's not particularly. It, it, uh, it does feel like any city, so it makes sense that it wasn't necessarily written into the story that it was supposed to be in San Francisco. So I have a question for you guys. Um, Heather's plan is dumb, right? Like Heather's whole plan here, in terms of like if everything had gone the way she wanted it to what would have happened exactly like she would have killed him under the guise of this this uh disorder uh she would have got off which is the way it goes what she doesn't predict however is that she's going to get put into some sort of a mental hospital it seems it seems that she just let you get off scot-free or whatever and then that's when everything kind of gets away from her and that richard gear would show even a monochrome of investigative ability like it's a really bad plan. And then she keeps pulling her sister into this nonsense. It's just bad. It's bad. It's like, you know, this is where he like is ripping off double indemnity, right? It's like the right. insurance thing. We're going to yeah. kill the husband for the money and I'm going to include Richard Gere. And so we're going to point the finger at him and it's like, oh, it's all his idea, right? But it's like, it is stupid because you're specifically targeting a therapist who in theory like if your plan is going to work you know he's going to try and get you off for mental insanity or whatever which will probably get you put in a facility like and i think they say that she like thought thought this plan up for like two years or something and i was like girl go back to the drawing board like <laughs> it two just, years was not yeah. long enough clearly it, like it's, it doesn't make sense it it doesn't make sense and there's there's many movies that have characters with really bad plans that work because the character because it makes sense for the character or the character is so well written or the movie is so well written that you just kind of go with it mm-hmm. but yeah. like there's well, just she's, no yeah. writing here there, well there's, there's no just, there's just no thought process she, just, no. she doesn't yeah. seem clever she doesn't seem this isn't no. a clever plan it's she's just no twist. amy elliott done Let's she's say no that. Amy Elliott done. Who, she's not a meticulous planner. Yeah, I mean, yes. I I feel like that's another uh, Emily. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but it feels like you kind of channel a little bit of an Amy Elliott done vibe. Is that is that something that you that you're going oh, for, Phil? It's like you saw my transition vision board. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I literally have the haircut. Right I, th- now, you know? I think I think. All of us three are kind of going for that for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, in talking about this, this has come up enough times that I sort of feel like I can just throw out this grand theory I've been developing today. I think erotic thrillers are only as good as they can have queer readings. Mm. You cannot read this film in a queer Mm. way. Uh, A movie I was thinking about earlier is A Simple Favor, which is not strictly speaking an erotic thriller, but plays in similar vibes. And A Simple Favor is an erotic thriller if you realize it's just about how queer women manipulating each other is kind of erotic for us. Like that, (laughs) that is like that. So I've been like, you know, 
a fatal attraction, obviously, the camp reading. Body Heat has camp stuff. Basic Instinct mm-hmm. has all these, like, queer things, mm-hmm. some of which are very problematic. But, like, the better a erotic thriller reads as queer, the better it is as a movie often. And that's why I think queer filmmakers like Joel Schumacher often are really good at turning out these movies. Or I guess like Robert Zemeckis who made What Lies Beneath. I mean also <laughs> a, Zeme- a weirdly horny filmmaker. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis okay, the yeah. like Robert Zemeckis made has made so many movies that have queer readings for being the world's mm-hmm. straightest man. Like I right. I'm excited to talk about that. No, I I was actually thinking about this earlier that I I think that maybe also the way to to make a an erotic thriller today is that it needs to be more like overtly queer coded like you need something like this is not an erotic thriller but like Ingrid Goes West where you have Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen Mm -hmm. like there is clearly some kind of weird attraction between these people and it does take a very dark turn but I think like if you could go more explicit with with that that's something interesting that's a different side of the genre that you know in the 90s they would not have kind of gone that way unless you count something like i mean like bound or something like i mean there there are things that i think move in that direction right that are more well, i mean that's why single queer, way but female is so good yeah. you know what i mean like I think yeah. so yeah yeah it, 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 it's also yeah sorry Go ahead. oh i was, just, it works well I was just thinking if if they had made uma and kim not sisters mm-hmm the whole movie yeah. is much Maybe more. Maybe there's potential. Yeah. 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 I, I I totally I agree with with your your grand theory, Emily. I think mm-hmm. that movies are just more interesting when uh isn't just some fucking hetero dumb guy at the center of it <laughs> who's just like looking to get laid. Like it's just fucking boring. Like it, it's yeah. it's and and I understand that again, like, you know, it's it's a different time and they were catering to a much different audience and all that, but it also just feels just really narrow. If nothing else, it just feels alienating to so many people. You know, it, it's just I I, I yeah. Yeah. A movie, a movie I love is Unfaithful, uh, with Diane oh, oh, yeah. that's with Diane Lane, and like that's another Richard Gears in that movie. But like one of the things that gives that movie some spark is that you can tell he kind of wants to fuck the young guy too. Like there's that element of him I, I being was like just corny. thinking this. Yeah. I was just thinking this, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> but yes, what, like right, but like even like after he smashes his head with the snow globe. Sorry, sorry to spoil spoiler for unfaithful. Yeah, yeah. A movie that's like over twenty years old now. Yeah, yeah. Um, hot movie. You yes deeply deeply erotic um but you kind of like even that scene is erotic because it's kind of like richard gears almost like mourning the fact that he didn't get to fuck him too and and mourning also that he's not the guy (laughs) fucking her on some level right like this is what i think is interesting that movie is a lot more interesting than i think people uh, it was actually i mean it was a big hit i mean it made over 100 million dollars and like um, did she get an Oscar nomination for that? Am I crazy? I think she, I think did. she did. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. did. she did. Yeah, which is yeah. fucking rad. I think um, it got a few other nominations too. It's it's just a really interesting, good, complex. Like it, it's it's everything you would hope for a movie like this to be. And I do feel like it's Richard Gere kind of uh, showing a side to him and a kind of a a insecurity and you know that I think is really interesting he's really good at yeah. the movie um but yeah it, it, there's just there's no 
there's nothing going on in this movie beneath the surface that that's kind of the most unfortunate thing about it right is that you're just like it is exactly what you like there's no subtext there's no nothing there everything and every character just kind of exists for the movie to exist and to just move the story forward so it can be a movie like it it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like there was really any all respect to Richard Gere, executive producer. It does not feel like there was really any passion behind this project. Like it just kind of mm-hmm. feels like it was just a job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for people. Right. Um, sorry right. if Richard Gere worked his ass off for executive producing this. Like I really do. He might very it, well have. I, I he could have done better. I, I yeah. do want to talk just a little bit about the, the, the end of this film, the climax of this movie, which starts with a, car crash into the ocean that leads to uh, uh, a uh, a fight on the lighthouse um, and just a, a very um, I, honestly the lighthouse sequence isn't terrible um, Light- then, lighthouses like you said are okay, really cool. good settings yeah yeah um so you have that you have heather falling to her death off of the lighthouse which if i'm being completely honest didn't look that high up i don't know that she would have died i think she probably could have just dove into the water and would have been okay um but but all that being said she dies uh there's a whole tussle and and keith david saves richard gear's life and it's a it's a whole thing um the info dump on the courthouse steps about the trial of uma thurman's character is hilarious it's basically richard gear being like well that was pretty crazy huh this 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 and this happened and she got off and isn't it crazy i was just like my god people like what are you doing for a movie that was so fucking obsessed with having court scenes they chose to not show that court scene that one it it drove me insane like i i i I think we said i said i shared before we started recording, but I texted Emmy as I was watching the film or right after I watched it this morning. I said, this movie makes me feel mentally ill. <laughs> and I'll add that there's nothing wrong with that. I, on top of sure, my sure, sure. already existing mental illnesses, mm-hmm. um, it just uh, like that. Cho- but that choice specifically to not show the trial or Crazy. even one scene of Uma's trial crazy well it's it's crazy because it's there's so much information that needs to be delineated so quickly that you're just sort of like you have a reporter that's saying to uma can you believe that you were found not guilty even though you're an accomplice in this i was just like what the fuck is going on it's just nuts um and then you have the sort of the i guess this winky final scene where Uma is pretending to be her dead sister, Heather, with some, quote unquote, rich guy uh, in New York City, in New York City, I guess. And uh, and she kind of it's such a like and then she takes a sip of of her wine and her like eyes flare and we go to fucking black. I was like, what the fuck (laughs) are we doing? It's yeah, it's like, you know, as Sondheim said, it's putting a hat on a hat, right? This is a hat on a hat. We we we've already had worn like fifty hats during Ugh. this film, and at least two really bad wigs. Although Kim Kim Basinger's hair is real, but Uma is definitely wearing sure, sure. a wig. I think the, at the end. But like, ugh, like what? What even is that scene? I was like, what? Like, are we supposed to think like, oh, now she's like single white femaleing her 
sister what? and she's going to like run this scam again on a bunch of idiot men in New York. Like it's just. That was like the what? only point of the movie where I wanted the movie to continue because <laughs> I would like to see Uma Thurman just like, yeah. I guess take sips of wine with men in New York and then like, I guess kill them Pretend for insurance. Pretend to be crazy. Pretend to be feel- crazy. I feel like that's where we should start final analysis, the HBO Max miniseries that will then yes. never see the light of day, but we'll get to make it. Yeah. So we'll they, know what they happened. are doing that fatal attraction series with that um, is that is on Lizzie Paramount Plus. That, that is Apple coming. Joshua Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So that is that's a thing. I mean, listen, Joshua absolutely. Jackson is a good type for that. Yes. 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 Agree. I Love mean, him. I will gladly sign up for final analyses. I mean, whatever, whatever, however that. Oh, looks. Phil, Phil, you're show running it. Oh, great, great. This is great. this is this is how we get Glenn Powell in the genre. Yes, yes. I don't know, We're gonna man. pitch this. I, I, I listen. I will check out the Fatal Attraction thing because I like the two of them, and like maybe it'll uh, be good. But she was on um, Fresh Air a few weeks ago, and I was listening to it, and she talked about it a little bit, and how she like. She kind of, without, she didn't, obviously didn't spoil anything, but she talked about how they kind of looked back at the movie and they were like, there's a lot of things that are problematic and dated about this, but we're kind of upgrading them. So I am very curious to see how she does that. Yeah. Well, maybe it will be I'm better curious. than the American Especially Gigolo. with Fatal Attraction. But especially, oh my God, American Gigolo. That must have really made you sad, Carrie. I know how you feel about your man. Johnny. Yeah, Barenthal. John. What a waste of John Barenthal. You can see my my eyes are like bulging yeah. out of my like skull. But how do you fuck God, that? that was like, how do you fuck him up as American Gigolo? But I guess they did. Yeah. Final mm-hmm. analysis is a masterpiece compared to the American Gigolo. Oh damn! Show. That is that is. It damning. was one of the worst things I've honestly ever watched. That sounds. In my I mean, life. I'll never watch it. But and I've watched so, a lot of bad shows. I do want to rate this film. Um, so obviously, uh, none of us saw this in 92. Um, wouldn't it be great if this was the other movie I saw in theaters and not, it's not, so, sorry. So to loop you guys in, Emily saw two films in the theater in 1992, okay. one of which was Aladdin. The other one is a mystery that will be solved when we cover this film. And nobody wants, this is not that one. nobody wants to do this movie. So I'm terrified. We're never going to actually oh, no. get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, now I want to like. Yeah, figure, figure it, out. it out. I need to know. <laughs> Instead of um, doing so anything else. Before this podcast, I gave this film a 30 out of 99. Uh, I'm down to like a 20 now. Like, it's it's hard for me to even really give it a 30. I think that there's some nice photography. Uh, I think that, that you know, the, the, the actors are watchable, even though they're kind of dull. Um, and the script is stupid. That being said, I think that the third act is bonkers. And I was kind of on board once the film gave up any groundedness and just went for complete, you know, just craziness. But that's where I'm at. Well, what about you, Emmy? Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like on Letterboxd, I gave it an extra half star, mostly for Uma and for Eric Roberts' naked sure. torso <laughs> um, and general sleaziness, because that really worked for me. Um yeah, I the number coming to my head is like a twenty three. Okay, I think it. Um, I don't know why twenty three, sure. but I I think like yeah, I I wish I wish that it had been queerer. I wish it had been campier. I wish that Joel Schumacher would have directed it. Sure. Sure. Um, 
or you know like i i think it had the bad fortune of coming out a few weeks before basic instinct and then everybody was like ah basic instinct so like I, yeah a 23 that's yeah 23 generous. feels right what about you carrie i'm going with 19 all 19 points for eric roberts um mm. i just i just feel like there was so little effort made oh, yeah. um and they just like I mean, I guess this is just like back in the day, I guess, like in the 90s when there sure. were more original films being made. A lot of them were misses, like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we had more of the, like as much as I hate this movie, I don't know, hate is pretty strong. I just like was very underwhelmed by it and yeah. just like yeah. don't even have that many thoughts. It's like, I still wish we had more movies like this that were just kind of like, fine that were not just like netflix movies you forgot you had watched two weeks after you watched no absolutely you know what i mean yep emily like Mm. go ahead carrie finish your thought (laughs) oh sorry i'm I'm just like i have i i just said i have like no thoughts about this but i it just feels like a we need like misuse more misuse of actors in order to get to a place of more original films and not just franchise content is what I'll say. I so, couldn't agree didn't more. didn't love it, but we yeah. need more of it. Yeah. Let's, we need to misuse more actors. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, I, you know, if there's one thing I love, it's a movie that feels like it's adapting a novel you've never heard of that you find in a rental beach house. <laughs> and like, <laughs> this movie feels like that. And yet, didn't really like it. I'm going to I'm going to give it a 28 and that feels generous. Mm-hmm. But I did like Uma Thurman's whole deal. Sure. I did like Eric Roberts' whole deal. I liked how dumb some of it was. Mm-hmm. Um on the 90s queer phobia scale 1 to 10, 10 being extremely queer phobic, 1 being it's there's no overt queer phobia in this movie. I'm still mm-hmm. giving it a 5 because it feels queer phobic that it's not <laughs> campier. It's not queer enough. It, yeah. 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 It it to to just like yeah. The only thing that was working for Richard Gere was his hair, and that feels yeah. Yeah, I mean he's got good hair. He's always had good hair, so he has that going for him. Uh, I am curious. So next week uh, we are covering. uh, We did a a movie called Brain Donors, um, uh, a movie that I'm sure you guys have not seen, nor should you watch. Um, It was sort of a. You should absolutely watch it. You uh, okay? Sure. Um, It is a kind of. Marx Brothers Street Three Stooges attempt um, starring John Turturro. My question to you guys is John Turturro hot or not? Depends. Um, yeah, I think it depends. I say severance hot. Yeah. Um, was he, he in the night of? Yes. He was he, hot, hot, hot in the Batman. Definitely okay. hot, hot in Batman. Oh, that. Um, that's an erotic thriller. <laughs> so okay, that actually uh, is an erotic. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, is. it is. Yes, I. Yeah. It's sounding like older Totoro, hotter than younger Totoro. Is the, is yes. the vibe? Yeah, I think for me, I guess yeah. I also. I mean, I guess I haven't seen that much of his earlier work to really have a take on pre. I love. I love. I love that some we said, you know, Night of Turturro is hot and he spends most of that talking about like his foot fungus. <laughs> I, know. I was thinking, I was like, he's talking mostly about how his feet are gross. But sure, I'm, I'm looking at his face. 
I and just want- I don't yeah. judge anyone for their for their feet. foot fungus. <laughs> yeah, I I do my, think my that... boyfriend has. Oh shit! Oh boy! Sorry. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Um, I'll say this. Um, Young Totoro, you did have like Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink. You did have sort of a, you know, I don't know that he was hot in those movies. Emily, I, what do you, what are your thoughts? John Totoro hot or not? Uh, I think he's hot. I think, I think he, I think he's got that, that, that swarthy dadliness I love, you know, I think. I mean, it's it's been a long time yeah. since I've seen Miller's Crossing. Yeah. But. I think that if Gabriel Byrne is in a movie, that everyone is hot. I agree with that. He's in Cool World. <laughs> Except for Cool World. He didn't let me finish. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but maybe, but maybe Cool World, it does apply to Cool World. Yeah, I mean, everyone is hot in Miller's Crossing. That movie is just filled with hot people. Yeah. Um, Important. I, I, yeah. Important question spinning yes. off of this. Is Tony Collette hot in Hereditary? Because now I kind of think she is. <laughs> is she? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. she's like she's she's like the erotic thriller woman, like a dark, mysterious, scary <laughs> woman. Midsommar's an erotic thriller. We did it. It's... Yeah, we came full circle. We did Hereditary, it. erotic thriller. Um, Listen, guys, we're so thankful that you took the time to watch Final Analysis and talk with us about Mm -hmm. it. Um, We can't wait to have you back to talk about another movie, maybe another erotic thriller from this time, maybe a more erotic thriller from this time. There's 70 of them. There's a... (laughs) Uh, Emily loves talking about erotic thrillers. It's her favorite thing, especially... (laughs) I mean... We're and listen, Emily. We are. We, I have. I have consciously since the last episode that we recorded. I have consciously decided to try to cover some good movies in the next Thank few you. weeks because Thank I you. do feel like I have a fear that your wife is going to say you can't do this podcast anymore. I will say. I will say that like she wandered in and watched the last half of Final sure. Analysis and was not like angry about it. She just was like, "That was bad," and like that. <laughs> Uh, we're be we're wearing her down too. So well, yeah. that's good because just to let you guys uh, carry Emmy into this, uh, I got a phone call during Cool World from Libby that was like, "This has to stop, and I can't continue. <laughs> you can't force us to cool, watch movies." Cool like World, <laughs> Cool World is without exaggeration like the most disturbing film so- that I have ever it's, seen in my entire life it's really really upset it's it's a it's it's upsetting upsetting. on many levels um yes Emily? Car- carrie would you say you're annoyed or a doodle <laughs> <laughs> i'm annoyed <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to think about it ever again Oh, it is one horrible. of those movies that and we talked about this in the episode but i'm just going to say this uh just just deeply upsets you to your core as it's as it's sort of un- unraveling in front of you you're just like how did this come to be how do i shake these images why do people want to fuck the doodles it's all just very upsetting and like how did brad pitt have a career after uh, it is it is a mirror i mean he's listen, brad pitt never talks about this movie i'm not sure he's ever even been asked about this no. movie. i feel like every interview starts oh, they don't dare ask me about cool it's the it's it's the and I don't give a shit what the publicists say. It's the first thing I would ask him about. I'd be <laughs> like, bless does you it, for does that. Cool world, and I would be like, does hi Brad Pitt? 
does cool world haunt you every night like it haunts me <laughs> i actually wonder my my feeling is he would probably be very fine about talking about it but i yeah i would be genuinely curious to hear his thoughts on it just because does he even remember making it that's the real question. that's a good question i'm sure i mean how does how do you not remember making cool world is the yeah. thing. like that that's the thing about it i mean we're gonna do another Brad Pitt movie uh, relatively soon, I'm hoping, which is uh, mm-hmm. River Runs Through It, which was the oh. other 92 movie that he did. And that's him being like hot Brad Pitt, even though that movie's- I watched music. that a lot when I was a teenager. Like it's, yeah. it's and it, and that sort of <laughs> branches into the, into the, uh, um, oh my God, what's the, what's the cowboy movie that he did? The Legends of the Fall, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's when he's starting to realize, oh, I look good when I'm outdoors wearing hats with like the sun shining and like all that kind of shit. Um, so I think that he got lucky that River Runs Through yeah. It was, was so yeah. quickly, quickly followed it up. But more than anything, guys, this was a blast. As always, you're the best. We thank you so, so much for taking the time to to talk with us about this. And we can't. Do y'all have any? Do y'all have anything you want to plug? Oh yeah, please plug away. Anything to plug, guys? Um, not really. Um, you just did a, a vulture a vulture uh, live tweet <laughs> on. So uh, stupid. It was great uh, on Sons of the Lambs. I don't know if you saw that, Emily, but I know as a as a yeah. yeah um, I haven't seen the movie in a while. Um, it was fun. It's mostly dumb memes. Yeah. Very, I forgot how, not that I forgot how good of the movie it is, but it's like, I feel like it's one of those movies that like every single time I watch it, I'm just like blown away again as it's it's the first time I'm watching it. Um, I mean, I'm a freelance writer for hire. Um, hire me. That's my plug. I want to, I want to go ahead. Oh, not to promote another podcast on the pod, but Please. I just uh, I just did an episode with Hit Factory Pod all about um, Titanic, which was very, very fun. And it was like, you know, obviously a great time to see that again. In did you theater. see it in the theater again? Yes, I did. I saw it over over the weekend. And it, like, yeah, it's it's just like. And he did invite G- me, Jim but I was unfortunately not available. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to yeah. try to see it. Maybe I'll try to see it. in the. In yeah, the I might years. try to see it this yeah. weekend, actually. I'm I'm more interested in seeing that than yeah. uh, than Ant Man, but uh, yeah, yes, Emily, I want to plug Carrie's T-shirt because it's a really good oh. T-shirt. I love oh, yes. it. Was Fleetwood yeah. Mac rumors really yeah. expensive? Was it? Yeah. It was like eighty dollars, but Why? I've had it for like I've had be, I've had it for like five years. I think it's because the quality is really oh, good. Like a lot yeah. of band tees I get, yeah. it like yeah. fades and it hasn't faded at all. Even oh. though I put it in the wash all the good time because I wear it all the time. Yeah. Great T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited you. for? Uh, speaking of Fleetwood Mac, um, Daisy Jones and the Six, which feels like um, I am going to watch screeners that I just got tomorrow. So I Let guess me know what you like, think. I'm curious as to uh, how yeah, I haven't I'm, read the I'm book. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It's based right, on a I, book, right? I mean, I'm not. Yeah, it is based on a book. It. Yes. It's a book. Yeah. The this the promotional images so far I've seen feel. I don't know. It yes, doesn't that's, feel that's, super. That's right se- it feels. It feels like very 2023's version of the 70s. So yeah, we'll see. It, I'm very. Open. There's a lot of faces that look like they've seen TikTok before. So that's oh, yeah. yes, yes, you yes, know, yes, yes. Yeah. that's always a problem for me. I'm but. curious. I've watched both trailers, and I have to be honest that both songs leave me slightly underwhelmed. And I know that's a high bar, but it's. I'm always whenever you have fictional band stuff, I always feel the same way, which is like these songs have to feel like songs that you know I would care yeah. about, and I'm not entirely convinced of that yet. That being said, it better be as good it. as the A Star Is Born soundtrack. 
that's a high bar. But yeah. um, Emmy, I'm also looking forward to when the second season of And Just Like This oh. drops so that you and Carrie Corrigan can come on again and we can talk about, hopefully about oh Che God. and her adventures making her oh. new pilot um, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I'm more excited for the Che storylines than I am to see Carrie and Aiden go through a third round of whatever they're going to go through because at this point this man is a masochistic idiot like that's a man that should be in an, an erotic thriller is Aiden I, Shaw that's actually Shay Diaz you know. watch, would watch I, queer I mean, erotic thriller starring Shay Diaz Shay Diaz I haven't seen any of the show oh, but I yeah. do follow well, the, I do follow the Shay Diaz Shay, sure. I I do think that Sara Ramirez should be in more things because they're amazing but mm-hmm. I just can't always get behind Shay Diaz although at this point I've come so far around on Shay Diaz I think I'm back to like standing Shay Diaz Oh there you go I've never I've never seen this and I absolutely oh. stand Shay I absolutely yes. stand Shay. I, yeah you got to watch this I got to hear your thoughts on this I'm not a big Sex in the City person. Oh, right. I just, yeah. I'm not either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, w- but that 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 is what it is. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I'm hoping that it's not really Aiden and that it's his evil twin, or that Aiden has a brain tumor or something along those lines that has given us this storyline. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. All that being said. You guys are the best. We're so, so happy that you guys came on. Um, Emily and I yeah. can't wait to talk about more movies with you in the future. Good um, ones. Good one. 92 was pretty. Yeah, I feel like 92 is. is 92 pretty, is a lot of good movies. Pretty, Unfortunately, we haven't yeah. watched many of them. I much. came into this podcast uh, being like, I haven't seen a lot of movies from 92. And Phil's like, it's a good year. It's a good year. And then he's like, let's watch Cool World and Final Analysis in a row. Listen, I, mistakes were made. I'm admitting to my failure. Uh, and we're going to watch some good movies, Emily. It's going to be great. We got we got Passion Fish. We got Scent of a Woman. We got all sorts yeah. of stuff coming up. It's going to be great. Yeah, Scent of great. a Woman. Oh, Scent of a Woman. Uh, there's, there's others. I'm drawing a blank on them right we're gonna now. Do, we're going to do. It's going to be fun. Great. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had noticed. I had noticed you're suddenly like, can you talk last of the Mohicans? And I was like, yes, I can. I'm happy to. <laughs> I was like, can we talk about <laughs> some good movies, Emily? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. Thank you so Thank much, you. guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.